Well, good evening, everybody. Good to see all of you here tonight. Uh, let's um, uh, just a, a quick announcement before we begin. Uh, Jim and Leanne's house caught fire uh, this afternoon. Um, they're okay. They were at work when it happened, uh, and the firemen were able to get their, their dogs out as well. Um, but uh, there's a lot of damage on the inside, uh, smoke damage, water damage. And so uh, um, I haven't heard yet um, what, what caused it. Uh, they were investigating. I was, I was there earlier today. But um, uh, so just want to pray for them as uh, they try to salvage what they can and uh, get everything sorted out. You know, they can have to deal with insurance and everything. And anyway, there's, there's a lot to do from here. But uh, we're thankful they're safe, thankful that their, their dogs are safe. But uh, need the prayer and support. So um, with that, let me uh, open us with prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for your protection for Jim and Leanne uh, from this fire and for uh, keeping their uh, dogs safe as well. We ask that you would be um, helping them as they, uh, as they try to navigate now all the things that they have to do for uh, repairing their home and replacing things and dealing with insurance. There's just a, a long road ahead of them. So we ask that you would Comfort them, be near to them, and encourage them as they uh, seek to, to walk down this path and uh, uh, deal with all the things that they have to deal with. We ask that you would help us as the body of Christ to come alongside them and to uh, help encourage them and support them well as they, uh, uh, as they deal with all this. We pray for our study this evening. We thank you for this opportunity we have to, to come together and to grow and learn. And we ask that you would um, be working in us by your Spirit, giving us wisdom, understanding, and uh, an ability to, to live lives that are honoring to you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes. Uh, I just, uh, yeah, I just sent that to you. Um, yeah, so uh, Leanne's update um, is that it's pretty bad on the inside, but there's a lot of uh, random things that will be salvageable. Uh, and they're at the vet right now having their uh, their dogs checked out. Um, and they're staying at her sister's for the next couple of days. So that's what's, uh, what they have going on. All right. Uh, this evening, we're looking at letters 19 and 20 of the screw tape letters. Uh, here in letter 19, the first part of it is uh, Lewis uh, talking a little bit about um, uh, Satan and gone and kind of the talking a little bit about the fall of Satan, or at least a stylized theory about the fall of Satan. We don't know particulars. Um, and there's a reason he kind of goes into this a, a little bit. Uh, but that's what he starts off with in letter 19. Then he goes on to talk more about that topic of falling in love uh, and uh, the ways that it can be uh, used against human beings. And then in letter 20, we turn uh, back again to the topic of chastity, which uh, we've talked about some already recently. So for this first part of letter 19, uh, you may remember in the, uh, some of the previous uh, two letters, he's specifically been dealing with the issue of love. And he had talked about, you know, kind of the, the difference about hell's view or desire for humanity and God's desire for humanity. So hell views human relations as, or all relations as competition. This person fighting against this person. It's all about looking out for yourself, number one, and um, all of that in the end. Um, well, of course, Gon's idea uh, of relationships is the idea of love and of sacrificing for the other and uh, someone else's good being the same as, as your good. And there's this kind of you know, uh, mutual 
benefit that we can have by helping and serving each other and encouraging each other. And uh, Screwtape had talked about in those letters about how this just makes no sense. Um, love isn't possible um, because their theory is correct. And so, you know, everyone's just looking out for number one. And so while God talks about love, um, he does, you know, that's not possible for him to actually love creatures. He must have some kind of ulterior motive for why he does what he does. But then later on, he talks about how God actually does love those creatures. And so in letter 19, you know, he's kind of got to deal with the, a little bit of the seeming contradiction there. And, um, and so he talks a little bit about, well, he doesn't mean that God actually loves because that's not possible. And so then he goes on to talk a little bit about um, uh, some thoughts about uh, really what we would call the, the fall of Satan. And so he talks about how, you know, there's this quarrel between Satan and God, specifically when the, you know, the whole idea of the creation of man was uh, being first talked about. Um, he uses that uh, word there when it was first mooted, which means discussed or, or argued. Um, and talks about how even at that point, when God was, you know, first sharing his plan for creation and humanity, uh, there was still the idea about the, the cross there. Of course, this is uh, you know, getting at the idea that all of history wasn't an accident. That was part of God's plan. Peter talks about this in Acts chapter 2, about uh, God's plan of the sacrifice of Christ and the crucifixion that happened. That, you know, yes, the Jews sinned, but it wasn't that they were, you know, what they were doing surprised God or anything like that. And so that's part of what uh, Lewis is uh, communicating here. And uh, screw tape in particular goes on to talk about well this was a uh, this was a problem um, because you know Satan is trying to understand well why would you have this whole cross episode happening in your relationship with humanity because relationship is all about individual uh, competition and things like this and he talks about you know the enemy gave no reply except to produce the cock and bull story about disinterested love which he has been circulating ever since. Disinterested love, it's that idea of no self-interest. There is no ulterior motive. It's just love and concern for the other one just because of love and concern. And, um, and of course, from Satan, he couldn't uh, accept that, and he's accusing God of hiding something. He tells him to to lay everything on the table, and, uh, of course, uh, screw tape puts a different spin on it instead of Satan getting cast out of heaven or kicked out of heaven or fallen, you know, uh, Satan's the one who, uh, you know, kind of left on his own uh, because God wasn't being honest and you know, direct with him. Now, there's a, um, there's a lot here that you know, we don't know exactly how this all really happened. Um, we know that Satan, you know, was one of the, you know, the great angels. He got uh, kicked out of heaven. Um, but we don't know the whole reason as to why, other than, you know, a reference to pride. Um, but this has been a theory that a lot of people have had that, you know, what, what is the pride trigger that would, you know, that would force Satan to go against God in some sense. Uh, and this idea of God's uh, love for humanity is something that some people look to as that may have been what it was. You know, why in the world would God so invest himself and love such lowly creatures. I mean, he does things for humanity that he doesn't even do for the angels. And so, um, you know, it's a, 
It's not an implausible theory. I'll put it that way. But if you don't agree with this, I don't care because it's not in the Bible. We don't know. Um, if you think it sounds like a, you know, that could be the case, well, it could be. I don't know. But um, that's uh, that's part of what you know Lewis is just presenting here. This is at least one or some ideas that people have had about why was it that Satan fell, and he's kind of weaving that into this this whole story and this issue of love overall. And of course, towards the end, you have this conclusion. You know, here lies the great task from Screwtape's perspective. We know that he cannot really love. Nobody can. It doesn't make sense. If we could only find out what he is really up to, they, you know, that's the, that's, the, that's the end of it. They don't think that what God's doing is actually truly what it is that he says he's doing. He provides salvation because he loves his creation. And they don't think that's possible. And um, that, you know, that plays into you know, their whole opposition to, to God. He's, uh, their whole system is diametrically opposed to God's system. And so they, they, have, to, they have to be opposed to him because you know, it can't be possible. Love is not possible, according to them. And of course, that'll become interesting later on towards the, the end of the, the screw tape letter, some of the things that uh, screw tape says. You know, you've kind of got this, um, uh, you know, this, um, uh, he refers to himself as your affectionate uncle, screw tape. Well, you'll, you'll see towards the end, some of the, the, the end of the relationship between Wormwood and screw tape. There's not really a lot of affection or uncleness there. Uh, there really is. You know, their relationship, uh, screw tape will embody some of this competition uh, that, you know, they, they are not on the, the same level. It's all about, uh, you know, serving uh, themselves in the end. But that will come up at a later time. Uh, towards the end of this letter, then, we have the, uh, the topic of love again, or that, that feeling of love, and, uh, or being in love. And uh, uh, Wormwood has the, the complaint about, well, he didn't really tell me if I should try to encourage my patient to be in love or to discourage him from being in love. And Screwtape's answer is, well, it doesn't matter. The point is not whether he's having those emotions or not. The point is, uh, what is he doing in the end? How is it being used? How is it affecting him? Uh, nothing matters at all except the tendency of a given state of mind in given circumstances to move a particular patient at a particular moment nearer to the enemy or nearer to us. So there's a, there's a lot of things in the world that are um, that in and of themselves are neither good or bad. It really depends on the end as to what happens with those things and in those circumstances. So, for example, patriotism. Patriotism by itself is not a bad thing, but it can be taken to a bad extreme. Um, or if one, you know, maybe someone doesn't care as much. It's not, you know, that they're opposed to their country, but maybe, you know, you can have various levels of patriotism that are totally fine, but you can take it to another extreme. That would be really bad if you're becoming treasonous and, you know, a terrorist and things like that in your own country. You know, there's, there's different, um, different ways that it can be used to harm other people. Uh, same thing with this state of being in love. You know, there's nothing wrong with having... Uh, in the abstract of, of having emotional affections towards another per another person, it depends on the circumstances and other things going on. And so Screwtape's point is, it doesn't matter if he's in the state of being in love or not in the state of being in love. 
use it to take them down bad paths, manipulate it. Uh, that's, the, that's the goal in the end. And so if he's of a particular frame of mind, take him down one end. This is what you want to drive him towards. And if he's in the other one, uh, drive him in the other direction. So you've got the, uh, the one person who uh, tends to be more of a, an aesthetic and uh, you want to you know, take him in a particular direction. Or the other person who's a, a very romantic person, you can uh, utilize that against them in various ways. And so that's, a, that's an important thing for us to, to remember, that Satan is going to try to take our tendencies and push them further than we're supposed to allow them to go, where they can lead us into to harmful places. And so, I mean, that, that connects to other things he's talked about, you know, the, the parties within the church and things like that. You know, those particular issues and discussions may not be bad. It's when you start to take them down the bad paths that they become issues. Then he also talks about towards the, the very end, uh, that if uh, if you can't get this uh, get this patient to go down some of these particularly bad paths uh, towards unchastity in, in different areas, uh, that at the very least you can use it to steer the patient into a useful marriage. This feeling of being in love, use it to steer him into a useful marriage. And this again comes back to the idea of uh, how important important marriage is for a Christian. Marriage is good. It's a gift that God has given us to enjoy, but we live in a fallen world, and we know especially that you know God cares about who we marry because that's the most important human relationship you have, and that can either be for our good and encouragement or it can be for our, our detriment and hurt spiritually. And uh, Screwtape talks about, you know, there may be several young women in your patient's neighborhood who would render the Christian life intensely difficult to him if only you could persuade him to marry one of them. And that's part of the, the goal here. You know, use this falling in love, use this, you know, these romantic ideas that we've fostered in the, the culture to, you know, maybe you can't get him to commit these other sins, but at the very least you could use it to get him to enter into a marriage that will hinder him spiritually. So this is something we're supposed to, to take seriously. Satan takes it seriously who we marry because he can use it to our uh, to our hurt. And so we need to be careful and watchful uh, in that regard as well. Uh, a good way to kind of summarize some of the, this, uh, the points that he's been making here is the very uh, the last half of the last sentence. It is from the point of view of the spiritual life, mainly raw material. Uh, he's talking about you know, all these different things, um, uh, things that humans experience, whether it's you know, health, sickness, age, youth, war, peace, those are just the raw material of which you affect the person's life. Whether you're healthy or sick, that's not necessarily bad one way or the other, or spiritually good one way or the other. It's what happens and what you do with when you're healthy and when you're sick. That's the stuff that uh, affects us spiritually. Are there any questions or comments from letter 19? Any thoughts, observations? Yeah, Terry. Isaiah 14, 12. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Terry's bringing out Isaiah 14, 12, and the following verses is kind of our main 
the main text we look to that, you know, well, what do we know about Satan's fall? Maybe more than just that passage, but that's pretty much the big one uh, about his pride and trying to be God and, and things like that. Um, everything that Lewis talks about, you, you won't find that in Isaiah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> well, God chose not to tell us. But, uh, so, yes, yeah, so you won't find all of this there. But, um, but at the very least, that idea of the, that pride of wanting to be God, you do see that there. Uh, yeah, Keith. Lewis, and I think that there, what's the biblical equivalent? But basically, looking at the Jack story, the devil does not recognize God. He, he just thinks it's as good as him. Yeah. And he, God only has a secret that he has to share. Yeah. Is that a made up part or is there a biblical stance that would match that? Um. Uh, um, that's a great observation and a really good question. So uh, uh, for Zoom, you know, Keith's pointing out that you know, this whole interchange um, that Lewis is describing, you have Satan not looking at God as being God or someone above him, but just kind of an equal who's just holding back a secret that he should be revealing. And I think he even uses the, the language here. You know, uh, he implored the enemy to lay his cards on the table and gave him every opportunity, as if Satan was holding something over God in this this whole exchange. Um, now, uh, so he's asking the question: Is there is there something biblically about you know that we can point to about God withholding knowledge from Satan? Uh, I can't think of a text off the top of my head that would explicitly say that. But we do have, Deuteronomy talks about the secret things belong to the Lord. And so we do have the biblical idea that there are things that God knows and holds that his creation does not. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that if uh, there's things that we are not able to understand because God's God, we're not. I don't think it's a stretch to say that that's true for the angels as well. The angels may know a lot more than us, but they're also finite creatures. They're not infinite. Uh, and so uh, I don't think it's a stretch to say that there are things that God knows and holds in his knowledge that he has not revealed to, um, to the angels. Now, is that connected with why Satan fell? I don't know. Could be. Uh, definitely, has to do, uh, definitely can connect to the issue of pride um, and Satan wanting to be God and, and, uh, instead of God. But, um, but yeah, you know, I can't say anything dogmatically one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a little bit of that idea of the, the secret things that angels long to see or something. Yeah. Yeah. Peter. Yeah. So there's definitely an idea there that especially around the salvation of humanity, there's a little bit of mystery for the angels and that whole, you know, whole thing God's doing. So, so, so what you have here with Lewis, and, and this is why I say, you know, others throughout history have um, talked about some of these ideas. You're kind of extrapolating these different things. And you know, if you want to do a, you know, a Christianized imagination of, you know, what happened here. So, yes. Yeah, so.
husband, uh, if they ask Christ about who you be, the uh, husband of the woman who you had seven. Yeah, are you, are, are you talking about... Or what? So, the, so the angels, like, it's a mystery to me even fallen angels, like, miracle Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so for Zoom, uh, you know, Sue's you know, bringing out, you know, there's that, uh, Jesus talks about how um, the new heavens and new earth, you know, we will be like the angels, uh, neither marrying or being given in marriage. Um, and so there, there is an aspect that the angels now aren't able to experience what human beings experience of marital love. And to take it a step further, how marital love is a picture of the relationship between uh, Christ and his bride, the church. Um, so, yeah, so there's definitely some differences there, which connects with this whole thing of, you know, Satan not having any idea or understanding of what God means by love. And, of course, for them, it's like, well, no, it's all selfishness. It's all we're number one. You know, the individual looks out for individual. This idea of joining together and doing something for the other and considering the other more important than yourself, that makes no sense in their system. Uh, so that uh, knowledge of marriage and love and all of that pictures, I think, could definitely connect. This chapter to me is more wishy-washy. A little bit, yeah. Because I look at where the devil's certainly not acknowledged is here. Mm -hmm. But yet, you know, the devil knows he's not allowed to touch him. Yeah. Yeah, Satan is a little eh here. Yes, I agree. <laughs> and uh, I mean, and to be honest, I don't, I don't know the circumstances. You know, is it possible? You know, that, that did Lewis write the previous letter? You know, talking about God actually loves these creatures, and then realize later that was a contradiction technically, and now he's got to clear that up. Was that planned? Was that accidental? Um, I don't know. Did a reader like write back and be like, "Hey, why is Screwtape, you know, contradicting himself when he says love isn't real, and then he says God loves the creatures, and then Screwtape has to, you know, uh, you know, correct it?" I'm not sure, but uh, Lewis isn't infallible or inerrant, and uh, <laughs> this letter isn't infallible or inerrant, <laughs> so. All right, uh, let's, uh, let's look at letter 20. Um, letter 20 generally uh, deals with uh, mainly um, that topic of chastity again. Uh, and so the letter begins with, you know, uh, screw tape writing about how the enemy has for the time being put a forcible end to your direct attacks on the patient's chastity. Um, we don't know all the specifics about what that means, but there is at least an, an aspect here. He he talks about your man has now discovered the dangerous truth that these attacks don't last forever. Consequently, you cannot use again what is, after all, our best weapon, the belief of ignorant humans that there is no hope of getting rid of us except by yielding. Um, so this is, uh, we see throughout the scriptures, you know, God promises us there is no temptation um, that God does not provide a means of escape. Um, 
even though Satan might press and tempt for a while, even in Christ's temptation, after a period, Satan went away. Um, Satan cannot, uh, you know, that, that intense temptation that he comes against us with, he cannot keep that up forever. Now, the lie is that, uh, you know, in that moment that we're, we're struggling with the temptation or whatever it is that's going on, you know, we think the relief is to just give in to the temptation and, you know, everything's better after that. Which, of course, that's not the case because then you've sinned. Um, but that's the lie that Satan wants us to think. You know, in that moment of struggle when you're like, you know, should I do this? Should I not do this? Should I say this? Should I feel this? Whatever. It's like, well, just do it because it'll be easier and that'll be the end of it. Well, that's never the case. That's never the end of it. It's never easier and it always causes more problems and issues, let alone the fact that it's sinning against God. But the real truth is that the way to have relief from temptation is to resist the temptation. Because then God is the one who gives us relief in the end. Satan's never going to give us relief if we give in. The more we give in, the more he's going to come. The only way to have victory is that, that point of resistance. And that's the, uh, you know, the whole thing going on here is that he's discovered the attacks don't last forever. If he realizes the attacks don't last forever and that the solution isn't always just to give in and keep sinning, well, that's a big problem because then he's going to become emboldened in his not giving in to sin. And again, he's going to become more reliant on God and uh, in his, uh, his help and grace to fight against sin and temptation. So I think this is a, an, an important point that, that Lewis is communicating here in terms of our own walk with Christ and our sanctification is that um, you know, what is the solution to, to sin? Well, it's that strength of God that he gives us uh, to overcome sin. And when God says there is a way of escape, he's not lying. It's true. Now, sometimes the reasons we have such a hard problem with sin is because sin has become a habit. and We've given into it so many times, and we've kind of become used to this idea of it's just, just give in, just give in. And that then becomes a pattern that needs to be broken. The habits are hard to break. But there is no sin that God cannot help us to break in the end. Letter uh, goes on to talk about then, of course, you know, Screwtape brings up the issue of, you know, I want to know about the girls in the area because we need to get them uh, married to someone who will um, uh, be a hindrance to him. But then he goes on to talk a, a little bit about this issue of uh, attraction and, you know, what is it that people look for in terms of spouses and partners and, and things like that. And uh, he talks about that one of the things that they do, they uh, – especially through uh, the culture, advertisement, fashion, all these things, is they, they manipulate what are the characteristics we want in a spouse. And in particular, they try to manipulate it in such a way as to make a person care about the least important things. Uh, in fact, I think he summarizes it well when he puts it this way. As a result, we are more and more directing the desires of men to something which does not exist, making the role of the eyes in sexuality more and more important, and at the same time making it demands its demands more and more impossible. So the, the goal in the end is this, you know, this perception of what beauty is and what one should desire in a spouse. 
and that that all should revolve around what the eyes see. So it doesn't become, when you're thinking, I mean, of course, you want, you know, um, it's not that physical attraction isn't important. That's not what I'm trying to say. But what Satan is trying to do is he's trying to so fixate on physical attraction and then constantly changing the standard of what physical attraction is. Uh, you know, back at this time, he's talking about how, you know, we, we teach men to like women whose bodies are scarcely distinguishable from those of boys. Um, that's the idea at this time of, you know, the uh, more boyish haircuts, um, cigarette smoking, flamboyant behavior. You know, that was just a lot of what was becoming popular. And so young women, in many ways, were just becoming like, you know, they were becoming like the boys, that they almost were indistinguishable uh, to a certain extent. Uh, and so you keep it focused on the eyes. You keep this constant changing pattern of what is desirable and, uh, in a spouse, and you distract away from what is actually important in a spouse, such as the things of you know someone who would be spiritually helpful and happy and desires kids and you know those types of things which are actually important and matter. You know we don't think about those. We don't you know. It's not popular when you're trying to figure out a spouse to spend your time figuring out, okay, so what do we believe and where are we going to church, go to church and how are we going to raise our kids? And those aren't your priorities. Your priorities are how tall are they, do they look good, and, you know, do they make me laugh? It's not that those things aren't, like, there, there's different levels, you know? You, you get what I'm saying. One is a lot more important than the other in the end. But of course, Satan, his goal is to get us to focus on the eyes, focus on what we see, and then just keep changing that standard to confuse people even more and distract them about what really actually matters. Um, so that's part of the, the main argument of this chapter. The, the other uh, thing he has towards the end, you know, that's the, that's the general strategy he talks about. But within that, he talks about you know, two different ways that you can uh, tempt the person in unchastity. He talks about you know two imaginary women uh, that you can try to draw the heart away towards. One is a, a terrestrial, and the other is an infernal Venus. A terrestrial is someone who's more down to earth, uh, natural, wholesome things like that. Uh, the infernal Venus is um, the much more provocative and, and carnal person. Um. And in the end, you know, to try to, to draw the patient's heart away towards these people. Uh, the first one, you know, this may be, uh, he uses the example, um, you know, this could be that uh, the person has an attraction to someone who's uh, already married and he's not going to act on it, but his heart starts to get stolen away towards something he can't have. That's not good and helpful at all. And, of course, the other one is the, the more flamboyant and, um, uh, I mean, his examples are, you know, a, a prostitute or a, a mistress. And uh, that's something that's very common today. But he do, does make the point that if the man is a Christian, uh, he may not pursue that uh, in the way that other people would. But you can still, uh, you can still try to ruin the marriage um, by use of, of those, those kinds of desires. And so in the end here, we see in this, this whole letter, there's a lot of different ways that Satan is going to try to pull us, uh, to, to ruin us through the issue of chastity. Whether it's through a drawing our heart away, 
towards certain kinds of people that, uh, that we shouldn't be drawn away towards, or whether it's um, just that ruining at the beginning of just the, the ruining of the eyes. Um, you know, Job talks about he makes a covenant with his eyes, and that's a, a really important thing to, to think about. Um, many ways, those eyes are the window to the soul, and the eyes are the, the beginning of all kinds of sin and evil, as we've seen a lot in the book of Genesis. Eve sees the fruit, she desires it, and she takes it. Lot looks and sees the valleys of, the, of Canaan and Sodom and Gomorrah, and he goes and he chooses after that. You know, Esau sees the red, red stuff, and he desires that, and he sells his birthright for it. The eyes are very important. And the more and more that we live in a culture that, uh, that embodies this, of making the role of the eyes more and more important, not just in sexuality, but in everything. Um, as Christians, we need to be even the more on guard of that, to not be led, aw- uh, to not be led astray by just everything that we see. So, any questions or Comments, observations, anything from 1920? Anything we've been uh, we've been talking about? Yeah, Terry. Yeah. Chastity also has, besides the sexual context, purity, pride, and and the mind. We're bringing up a thing with holiness. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's definitely that aspect of purity and holiness that belongs to uh, to chastity, and I, I think I think probably that uh, that last part, the imaginary uh, women that the man's heart is being drawn apart to, I think that connects with it. That um, that connects with that idea of the impurity, uh, particularly it gets to the impurity of the heart that happens, and that of course God's calling in us is a holiness, not just in deed not just with words, but with our thoughts as well. So Jesus talks about, you know, if you lust after a woman in your heart, it's the same as if you've broken the seventh commandment with her. Um, because it's not just about the actions, but it's the entirety of the person. And, uh, and so the entirety of who we are, thought, word, and deed, is to be holy and, and pure unto the Lord. And so um, love and desire are not bad things, as we see in letter 19, but they have to be in their proper contexts and relationships. Letter 20 is about dragging all of those out of their proper uh, context and relationships. Does that get touch on that a little bit, or you want to expound on it more? Yes, yes, also the mind. Yes. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep, you're exactly right. You know, the, the heart and mind is just as important as the, the hands. Yeah, and actions. You also want the opposite. Yeah. Yeah, there's a. It's an, important to note some of the words that uh, are used in there. Um, let's see. Yeah, so uh, Keith's bringing out, you know, the with the, that changing of the standard of, you know, of what the you know the the perfect person is. The reality is, it's not something that's possible. 
and, and Lewis, Lewis brings this out. He says, uh, you know, uh, you direct the desires to, um, we are directing the desires of men to something which does not exist. You make the rule of the eyes more and more important, and at the same time you make those demands of the eyes more and more impossible. And of course, later on he talks about the imaginary women because it's in his imagination. It's in his thoughts about what he's thinking about, about what he wants and is being drawn after. But those aren't real people. Or they, they may be real people, but it's, you know, it's, uh, it's what he's projecting on them as many ways, uh, in as many ways as anything else. And so uh, you're exactly right. I mean, we live in a culture that is, I mean, Disney. I mean, Disney's ruined a lot of things because it's presenting a standard. I mean, not to bash on Disney, but I mean, it's there. So um, they're presenting a standard that is not real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the standards of beauty have drastically changed. I mean, and part of it was, what is it that you desired in a, in a wife, you know? Um, you know, previously, especially if the concern was childbearing, well, you wanted someone who was strong enough to have kids. And, you know, I want to be careful when I say, but, you know, that's why you've got different standards. I'm just going to leave it at that. So, um Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you, uh, Randy's right. If you have that standard in your mind of what perfection is, the reality is your spouse is going to let you down <laughs> and, uh, guess what? You're stuck with them. And, uh, maybe you've been valuing the wrong things at that point. Uh, I mean, one other thing that I think it's important to add as well, I've, I've seen this a lot is that it's important to have high standards for marriage, but we need to make sure that we have the important high standards because sometimes, uh, especially in, in Christian circles, uh, the standards are so high, you just don't end up getting married. And that starts to become a, a problem too. Um, you know, yeah, 20 year old guys have, have problems and they can be a little immature, but uh they can also have good characteristics that are being developed that are on display that, hey, maybe you need to consider that guy and vice versa. You know, young lady, I mean, young kids are just immature. <laughs> That's the reality. Um, but we need to, to look beyond just some of the, you know, those surface level issues to see their, their character and their heart for Christ. And um, growing together in marriage is an incredibly important thing. Um, That's right. What I've been taking away from all of this is okay, you have four Everything, the format, because I keep thinking, how did he write this book? Ah, yeah. And I look at it as everything from the screw tape things appeal to selfishness and individuality when God's mode is for us to understand one another on emotional, personal. Yeah. So we're supposed to not think of ourselves at all, think about others, and that's the right thing for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great observation. Keeps making that you know everything that essentially everything that Screw Tape is saying is uh, coming from that vantage point of selfishness and um, whatever benefits you. Uh, 
as opposed to that God's perspective of that love and concern for the other person and what is best for the other. And uh, I mean, you would start to apply that. That's, you know, you, you can apply that to all different kinds of scenarios and all those practical issues that then come out. You know, that's what you're seeing being talked about here in Screwtape. This whole desire of beauty and love and marriage, if you approach it from an uh, individually selfish perspective, you're going to get screw tape in the end. If you start to approach it from the perspective of, of God and love and concern for the other person, you're going to have a more biblical picture of what those relationships are supposed to look like. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 The world, the world does not understand why the Christian does what the Christian does, because the Christians, I mean, everything's been defined by God of what it means to love another person. So a, a good example of this is the transgender issue with kids. Because from the, the perspective of the world of individual competition and selfishness, what the kid desires is primary and is most important because they're number one and they get to identify themselves. From the Christian perspective, that's not the case. From us, it's the perspective of how God created us, designed us, and made us by nature. And loving another person is helping to protect that nature and identity. And so you don't want kids getting confused on these things and making life-altering decisions and changes. And that actually is the loving thing from a Christian perspective. The world looks at that and says, how dare you tell them what to do? That's not loving at all. But they have a complete, they have screw tape's definition of love. They have screw tape's definition of love. And that's why they'll talk that way. And they'll look at us as being you know, as being hateful and, and bigoted and all those things. That's not the case. The reality is we've got two different understandings of love. And right now in our culture, screw tape's winning. So. That was a little bit of a downer, but <laughs> <laughs> Any other uh, questions or comments or anything before we close this evening? <laughs>